Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast, everyone. Today on the show, we have Becky Herbert of Auckland-based Get Fed. Get Fed provides ready-made meals. These are not meal boxes, but rather ready-to-eat items that you can heat and eat on a weeknight when you're just tired and can't be bothered to cook. Today, we talk to Becky about how she got started along with her co-founders, explore the world of ready meals and why this is such a new thing in New Zealand, and try to understand if this is the future for weeknight Kiwi dinners. So without further ado, let's welcome Becky. Hi, Becky. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, perfect. So, Becky, um, let's get started. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your childhood? Has food always been a feature? Do you have any early food memories you can share with us? Yeah, so that's an interesting question, actually. Um, I grew up in the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent. Um, and I guess I experienced, we did have home-cooked meals, and my mother was largely responsible for preparing those. Um, but somewhere in my childhood um, came the birth of uh, the frozen the frozen ready meal. So I do remember this being somewhat of a saviour to my mother in particular that had um, been cooking and preparing meals for, you know, all of her life. And I remember how thankful she was that there was a solution that came along that actually gave her a night off. So I do remember um, eating, you know, the the Vesta curry and the uh, Findus crispy pancake. And I actually remember loving them. (laughs) Okay. And I mean, yeah, because I think it's a big deal in the UK, right? Marks and Spencers even sells them, which is, it's a weird thing because uh, we have Marks and Spencers in India and they only sell clothes, but um, <laughs> I believe in UK, they sell all sorts of things. Mm, absolutely. So there there are thousands of ready meals on the market in the UK. Um, and, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, there are a number of brands and a number of retailers that stock various types of ready meals. So it's a very... At mature market in the UK now. Okay. And would you say that's quite different to the New Zealand market, right? Like over here, I remember, I mean, it's almost kind of considered evil if you think about like the take, the frozen stuff that you get in the supermarket here. I mean, most mums are kind of vilified for, you know, having some frozen pizza <laughs> or having some of the meals. And there's very little choice, to be honest. Absolutely. I remember being um, actually quite shocked when I came here. So um, I moved here in 2013 and um, I was a big consumer of the prepared meals in the UK, which I, which I want to point out are actually excellent quality. Um, they're, freshly, they're freshly made. Um, in some cases, take a store, for example, like Pret-a-Manger, um, everything is actually prepared out the kitchen in the back of the store um, and goes fresh onto the shelf. So um, there was no place to buy a great fresh sandwich off the shelf. Um, there was no grab-and-go market really at all. Um, and certainly there were there were there was very little in the way of prepared meals. So the supermarkets um, had some, which they, they still have, um, but the quality of those, um, I wasn't happy with the quality of those. So when I moved here, I remember thinking, wow, you know, what is the only option cooking? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And so how did you go from, you know, kind of being in PR to having a food business? How does how does that happen? Well, um, I had always worked, I'd, I'd actually uh, specialized in food PR. So um, early in my career, um, I actually worked for Marks and Spencer and started to promote their food, their, their food and their new product launches. Um, and that's when I really developed my love and interest in food as a category. Um, I found it um, very rich in content. Um, the stories were always so interesting. And I thought, oh, wow, I, I really love this. And, and I am the person that I'm a foodie. I love eating, but I do not like cooking. And, <laughs> and it's interesting how people think being a foodie always means you're a great cook. Yeah. And, um, yeah. For me, great food is about experiencing wonderful flavors that someone who is talented at cooking is cooking for me. So I love dining out. Um, and, and for that reason, I also love great prepared meals. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm unusual in that respect, I suppose. No, I think, I mean, I, I've always been a foodie myself. Like, I've loved food. And the love for cooking the food came very much later. And I'd probably say it came more from being forced in the kitchen when I got married and had yeah. no option. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was lucky that the love came about, but otherwise I can understand it's such a drag to have to cook every day. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's a that's another huge part of it. I mean, food can, you know, you can be a great cook. You can can love cooking, you can be really good at it, but you may not actually have the time or the inclination to do that seven days a week. Um, and that's where we really fulfill a need. Cool. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, you had this idea, you've obviously come across ready meals, you were missing them when you moved to New Zealand. How did you come across your co-founders? How did that happen? Well, I had been wanting to do something. I'd been wanting to start a business of my own um, or, or manage a business of my own for a while. Um, but I didn't really have an inclination as to what that business would be. But I always had this idea in my mind um, that there was a gap in the market for really great, freshly prepared meals. Um, so it had been, been sitting in my mind for a little while. Um, and I made the decision that I wanted to do it. I wanted to start this business. Um, and I had the skills in, in marketing and um, in branding. Um, but I obviously didn't have um, any production experience or, or understanding of how that would work. So I scoped the business plan out. And when I did that, I knew that I needed to find business partners that did have uh, skills in that space. So a part of the process of researching the business was obviously understanding what was on the market. Right. Um, and so I did have a little look around and I found that there were a few people making prepared meals, but nobody had really, nobody had really cracked the market yet. Um, there were a lot of small players um, and uh, nobody that was really owning the category. So I tried them all um, and came across a company called Feed Me, um, and I thought their product was was excellent, um, but they did have uh, weak brand communications. So I approached the owners of Feed Me, Becky and Dave, and I said, listen, guys, you know, you've got a great product here. Um, you're obviously set up, ready to go. Um, how do you feel about... Um, how do you feel about this business plan and my vision? Um, would you like to go into business together? So um, we did. You know, we started a new business and a new brand, which was Fed. 
Oh, awesome. <laughs> that's quite amazing. I wouldn't think about just kind of approaching someone <laughs> and asking them, but that's a great approach, um, I must say. And I think what you say here is right about there being a lot of smaller players in the ready kind of meals. Like, for example, I know in India, just having lived there for a long time as part of my childhood and recently as well, India has a lot of these uh, dabbawalas, you know, a lot of housewives do this as a side business. They cook food for kind of maybe 10 to 15 people and send those out as lunches. It's more of a lunch business in India than a dinner business, but um, it's quite a huge thing. I mean, and you know, the Indian dabbawalas have now kind of almost got international fame in terms of the way they handle their logistics and stuff like that. Yeah. But um it's very new and kind of almost unheard of in um, in New Zealand. So, and like you said, there's no one really do it like one person kind of owning that category. That's right. Um, we are at the moment quite fixated on hospitality, I would say, and a lot of those needs are being fulfilled by the hospitality sector. Um, so, you know, we that that has been in high growth for a number of years now. We spend more than eleven billion dollars a year. On hospitality, um, so it's it, it's you can clearly see that there is a need for somebody else to do the cooking for you, and of course, with the likes of Uber Eats opening up, that has also taken a big part of the market, which is actually okay. Well, now we can get something home delivered that's been cooked by someone else. Yeah, but so how would you say that you guys differ? You know, is it? Isn't what you do kind of glorified takeout? No, it's quite a different product, actually. Um, our product is designed to sit on a shelf for a number of days. Um, it's designed to um, be reheated in your home. So that really does affect the kind of food that we, that we produce. It's also designed to be an everyday product. So we're not looking always necessarily at something that is quite gourmet or, um, or uh, a treat for example, which is what you might um, uh, think of more when you think about a hospitality offering. So getting takeout, often it's not always the healthiest option. It might be something of a Friday night treat, whereas our product really is designed to be in any night of the week. Whilst we do have some more indulgence, some more gourmet dishes, we also have a number of dishes that are light in calories, uh, light in carbohydrates, for example, so that we can enable our customers to have something for every night of the week. Um, it is designed to be a grab and go product. So that's a really important distinction as well. At the moment, it's all about home delivery, but we will launch our product into retail. And the idea is, is that you can walk into a store, pick it up off a shelf and go, um, which is quite different to takeout, which there's a process. Um, you know, you decide which takeout you want to go to, you go through the menu, you choose what you want, you have to wait for that to be prepared. Even if you're going into a quick service restaurant, there's still a wait time um, for that food to be prepared and then you take it away. Our product is designed to be ready to go when you need it, whether that be in a retail fridge or your own fridge. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I mean, you know, when I'm cooking at home, what tends to happen is I have my roster of kind of like 10 or 15 things that I cook and then I cook them again and I cook them again. <laughs> so would you say that like, you know, ready meals is also a great way for your family to just, you know, try a new cuisine or try something different, you know, get kids to um, maybe even eat more veg? 
Absolutely. Um, the meals that um, our team of chefs come up with are things that I would probably uh, never think to, to cook or probably wouldn't have the confidence to try. Um, so it's it's really been great in terms of getting um, myself trying new things, but certainly our children. We have a product called Fed Family, um, and that's a, a, a meal designed to feed a family of four. So the kinds of dishes we put in there as well have been, um, yeah, they've been designed in a way that we know that children, you know, we'll, we'll give them a try, we'll eat them. And certainly my children's repertoire is way more diverse because we eat that product on a day-to-day basis than it would be if they were just eating what we were cooking as parents. Yeah, because I read, um, I was checking that out and you guys have something called unbuttered butter chicken. I love that yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that, you know, that uh, prefer to eat a dairy-free diet or, you know, maybe have um, allergies to dairy, particularly children. So that's why we've we've made that um, that product in particular, uh, a coconut cream, for example, rather than a, a dairy cream, which is what you might normally have in a butter chicken. Mm. And so, um, you know, what's the response been like to having these kind of different um, almost themes and segments that you have, you know? So, I mean, to give you some context, in India, we do have the ready meals, but it's kind of like you're at the mercy of whatever that person decides they're going to cook. They send you a menu one month out. This is what I'm cooking for the whole month. This is what you're going to get. But, you know, there's no other option beyond that. While you guys are actually... um, I mean, you know, it's very, here's a whole diverse kind of set of things that you can choose from, which is a much different concept. Absolutely. And and that really is done on the basis of listening to our customers, looking at what's selling well, looking at what they want, looking at the trends in the market, understanding what might work, um, and also looking at our different customer segments. So, you know, for example, um, we've got everything from, you know, young people, what you might call the millennials, um, who maybe more adventurous in their flavours, um, maybe also want to have um, meals that are slightly more health-focused, um, right through to what were baby boomers and even the elderly um, who either are not interested in cooking for themselves every day or are not able to cook for themselves. And their, um, and their preferences tend to be a little bit more traditional. Um, they do love their, their New Zealand land, for example, Whereas with some of our younger customers, um, they're actually really crying out for a vegetarian and vegan meals, plant-based meals. So um, that's what we've tried to do is make sure that we have a menu that has something that can appeal to all of those key customer groups. Yeah. And I mean, moving away from that kind of topic and just talking about this staying at home thing, uh, you know, we were talking previously about the rise of Uber Eats, for example. And Research is kind of showing that more and more millennials and Gen Z, you know, kind of prefer to just actually be at home and not really go out on a weeknight. And given the whole lockdown situation that's happened even more, people have just been forced to stay at home. So has that kind of created almost a new sector or a new economy of sorts, do you feel? Oh, definitely. You know, there is a there is a whole economy um, now um, focused on on the stay at home crowd, um, and you know Netflix and all of those streaming services, um, food home delivery. Um, but you you can you can entertain yourself very well in your own home. Um, I think also people are spending a lot more money on their home these days. I mean, it is expensive to buy a house um, in any yeah. country, but particularly in New Zealand. 
So a lot of people's disposable income is actually wrapped up in their home. And if you're spending a lot of money on a home, you actually want to spend some time inside it. So people are still going out. People do still love getting out and socialising. But I definitely think there is a move to being in your home environment more and more. Yeah. In fact, I read this report, The End of the Kitchen, which actually predicts that, I mean, people want to stay more and more at home, but most of their meals that are currently cooked at home are going to be slowly and steadily going to be ordered online and delivered from, you know, these um, cloud kitchens or central kitchens and things like that. Mm, Yeah, I've also read that report. Um, There's a lot of logic to it, actually. Um, You know, isn't it more logical that you have big central kitchens preparing um, food for lots of people and delivering that to them than everybody independently deciding what they're going to eat, driving their cars to the supermarket, spending energy in their own homes cooking? That you know that, and, and every country has actually done that slightly differently. You know, for example, some of um, some of the big Asian cities have a real diverse street food culture, for example, which we don't really have here in New Zealand. Um, and a lot of people use those places for uh, to fulfil their dinner needs, for example. So I can see how, particularly in big cities and, and in, in more urban um, locations, people will live in smaller houses. Yeah, where, definitely. Where land mass is, you know, more challenged. Uh, the ability to be able to to build um, is more challenged. So people living in smaller homes, and of course, that means smaller kitchens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've lived in um, Singapore just for maybe a couple of months because my dad lives there. And going to your local food court to eat there, it's it's a part of the culture. And, um, you know, for the elderly, for example, who live alone, it's the only socialization they get during the whole day. So it's almost, you know, that part where and the kitchens are kind of non-existent. They're so tiny. I think it's part of like the laundry is where the actual kitchen is nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it is still a little bit different here, you know, a place like Auckland where people still, you know, living in their one story houses on a quarter acre section. Um, I I do think we'll see that change um, over time. And you can already see that changing, you know, there are a lot of new developments like Hobsonville Point, for example, um, where people are living on much smaller sections and more closely together. Um, And we need to do that to be able to fulfil the housing needs for a city like Auckland. Yeah. So moving on to more of the business technical stuff, you know, in food, they say starting is often simple, but the scaling is, you know, where it starts getting to become like a chicken and egg situation. And you obviously approach this business with a strong kind of business plan approach rather than a I love food and I love the sector kind of approach. But can you tell us a little bit about how you guys are scaling um, or maybe, you know, some of the challenges that you've had? Yeah, I mean, probably similar to any business, to be honest with you. And we're we're probably at that precipice now, um, where you you spend a you know you spend a good year establishing your market, learning a lot, um, making mistakes, and figuring out what people want. And I think the lockdown period has actually given us this unique opportunity to be able to understand what our business does look like when it scales very quickly, um, because it did. Um, You know, we suddenly experienced, you know, a huge demand for our product, um, which obviously put pressure on us, you know, from an operational perspective, but also showed us the need um, 
and and, yeah. and the customer base that was out there. Um, our access way to food is going to change dramatically as a result of this pandemic and potentially future pandemics. Um, and I think as a, as a country, we're all going to be looking at, well, actually, uh, the way that we're accessing food now, is that sustainable? Is there another model that we should be looking at? So it's given us a really good opportunity to think about our place in the market going forward and the real potential for us. So in terms of the um, in terms of the um, challenges with scaling your business, of course, operationally there are challenges. Um, how do we scale up? How do we? You're right, chicken and egg. You know, do you invest in a bigger facility before you have the demand, or do you wait to have the demand? So you know, there's there's a there's operational challenges that you need to look at, but also, you know, of course, cash cash is king. Um, in order to be able to invest in your business, you, you you need the money to be able to do so. So, you know, those are the things that we're looking at at the moment. Cool. Yeah. I think this just brings back memories of what the one thing that my grandmom told me. She was like, if you want to be in the one business that's recession proof, it's food. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, even the lockdown has just kind of shown I'm I'm really overcooking. <laughs> I've got six people in my house right now and I've been cooking nonstop for six weeks. So I think um, I'm going to be one of your key early subscribers next week because I'm kind of done with this now. <laughs> yeah. So just to wrap up, tell me, who cooks dinner at your home? Do you guys even cook any dinner anymore? Or do you guys get fed meals? Um, I'm proud to say that we don't cook. Awesome. Um, <laughs> we, we very rarely cook, and I don't, I don't have any shame in saying that. Um, we do eat fed um, the majority of the time. Um, we, might, we may cook once a week um, something whatever we feel like doing. And actually, one of the things we've been doing during lockdown is um, come dine with me with our kids. So because we were missing our social life, we decided to socialise with our children who are only seven and four. Um, <laughs> so we, as, you know, that presents slight challenges. But um, each week we pick a different theme and we team up. So myself and my one of my daughters would cook for the other two people in the house and then we'd swap around. So um, as you can imagine, the themes have been... Um, largely Disney focused uh, but, but, but that has been fun um, and we do sit down and we eat breakfast together on a weekend and so on but you know we to be honest with you we eat fed most of the time and when we're not eating fed we are eating out. Yeah and I think I mean from what you're talking it just means that it's kind of taking the stress out of cooking right like I mean now that you've accepted that, I mean, that you're eating this, when you do go back to the kitchen and when you do cook, it's actually like a fun activity and it's not something that is kind of like, oh, I have to do this right now. Listen, I think that's a really important distinction. Um, you know, I I used to do the meal kits and I actually did them for quite a long time because it was it was actually the most convenient option available at the time um, other than getting takeaway. Um, yeah. Because at least I didn't have to think about what to prepare. It was there. But I actually found it incredibly stressful. And it was one of the things that um, that really motivated me to want to start Fed was um, the fact that there was this huge pressure to put a meal on the table at the end of the day. And actually, I didn't have time to be making vinaigrettes and, you know, uh, breading chicken. Um, I didn't take any pleasure from that. Um, so for me, I live, you know, I live a... I live a varied lifestyle. I, I like to get out. I like to do things. There are a huge number of things I want to do with my time. And thinking about what to cook, shopping for what is going to be cooked, and cooking is not something 
that I particularly want to prioritize for at least an hour of my day. So having a product like Fed actually allows me to refocus my my energy on the things that are important to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds good. So just to wrap up, um, we're now going to do like a fun, quick five, quick fast food five section. And I'm going to ask you five surprise questions about food. All right. Okay. So if you're a vegetable, which one would you be? Brussels sprout. Brussels sprouts, really? Why? I want to know this. This is a very curious well, one. I know, probably because I love them. Um, that's probably one thing. Um, we are um, probably a bit polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> so one kitchen staple that you must have in your house? Like, a, is that a food item? Yeah, like a food okay. item. Or it could be something that's in your freezer. It doesn't need to be in your pantry. Um, Eggs. Eggs. Okay. Yep. And uh, first takeaway that you had after lockdown finished? Or did you just not have takeaway like me? Oh, no, I did. I actually did. Um, The first one I had is I had a burger, a really great burger from Little Creatures. Oh, yes. (laughs) Craving a burger now. (laughs) My mouth started watering when you said burger. (laughs) Okay. Your favorite meal from the Fed range? Oh, that's a good question. My favorite meal. Um, I love the um, the kiwi Thai chicken green curry with cauliflower and carrot rice. Mm, that sounds yummy. Okay. And last question. Would you rather give up ketchup or would you give up mayonnaise? I would give up mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah. I would give up ketchup. I, I, I don't know, actually. I, I'm more of a barbecue sauce girl, so I'm fine yeah. with giving up ketchup. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also HP sauce, also very important, particularly for a British person. Yes. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Becky. I've had a lovely time chatting with you about all things food. Um, Yeah. And look forward to trying some fed meals for my family as well. Great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate, um, yeah, giving me the opportunity to be on your show. Okay. All right. Take care, Becky. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.